Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. Each week, we navigate the most important changes that affect pharmacotherapy. Plus, you can earn pharmacy and medicine CE credit. We know you're busy, so let us bring the learning to you. Click on Claim CE Credit in the show notes below. Now let's welcome your host, Jeff Wall, as he discusses this week's clinical practice game changers. Hello and welcome to Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. You have tuned into uh, the uh, podcast that we hope is going to be your one-stop shop for the latest in primarily pharmacotherapy information. So if, it, if it's a new study, if it's a new guideline, if it's just something that's making the news and you're a practitioner, you're a pharmacist, you're a provider, you're a prescriber, doesn't matter. Uh, hopefully this is the, the podcast you come to uh, to learn all about that sort of stuff. If you're a new listener, thank you uh, for, for listening. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for hanging on with us. Today, we are going to talk about a paper that is from JAMA that, that basically uh, had a lot of lay media play, I think, and has to do with metformin and the treatment of breast cancer. And if you're like me, before I read this paper, you may say to yourself, well, uh, what does metformin have to do with breast cancer? And that's a very good question. So as we know, metformin, of course, has been, is, now, is now the standard drug we use for almost all patients with type 2 diabetes uh, will probably be started on metformin at some point in, in, in their in their life, uh, assuming they don't have terrible renal function or something like that. And observational studies over the last 20 years, in fact, five fairly big ones, had noted that women with breast cancer who were taking metformin after they controlled for a lot of other confounders and, and other factors, there seemed to be a consistent uh, survival benefit, actually, in patients who were taking metformin. Obviously, they had diabetes or taking metformin who happened to have breast cancer compared to those who did not. And so again, uh, at least five fairly large studies in the last 20 years have, have detailed this association. Now, to me, that was like, well, why? And I had never heard that metformin had any sort of, of anti-cancer effects. And you know what I learned doing some research on this was that it's less that metformin has an anti-cancer effect, but that insulin signaling plays an important role in tumor cell development, in all tumor cell development, but in particular, it seems like a hormonally related uh, cancers like breast cancer. So it's seems that when insulin signaling increases, that actually may proliferate tumor cell growth. And obviously that's a bad thing. So it's probably stands to reason that any medication that can alter in, insulin signaling may be beneficial in treating and preventing cancer. So well, I always tell my students, you know, when we're looking at, especially at a study where there's kind of a, really, we use that drug for this disease state sort of thing going on. You always have to think to yourself, you know, the first question is always biologic plausibility. You know, what would be the biologic plausibility of metformin helping patients with breast cancer. And if you can't come up with that, if, you, if it's like, well, I don't know, it just seems to work, that always is kind of a big question mark for me. And, and yes, you can argue that, you know, even in 2022, we use lots of medications that we're not exactly sure how they work, but there's at least a biologically plausible theory why they should work. And so, you know, it's the reason we just don't randomly pick medications to just try on any disease state, because again, with no biologic plausibility, it makes no sense why it would work. And so metformin does have an effect on 
on insulin signaling, and in particular in the PI3K and RAS pathways, which uh, direct insulin signaling to tumor cell growth. And so because of that, you could argue, and in preclinical studies, they've noted that metformin does in fact have anti-tumor effects, particularly in breast cancer, but in other types of cancer as well. It does this by, again, kind of modulating this PI3K pathway and these RAS pathways that have to do with tumor cell growth. Uh, it also has other anti-tumor effects by other pathways. There's a pathway called the LKB1 mediated pathway that is associated with, with, with cell growth and, and rapid cell growth. Um, and so obviously that would, that would play a role in, 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 in tumor cell growth as well. Um, it also is a negative regulator of the mammalian target of rapamycin or mTOR, which we know is responsible for the sensation of, of cells. And, and, and when cells get old and they start to not work properly, that's where the, the mutations can occur that can lead to tumor type cells for, uh, forming. So, you know, again, there's definitely biologic plausibility that metformin, even though it's a diabetes drug, seems to have the potential for altering tumor cell development and, and arresting tumor cell development. And so, of course, that leads to the next phase in, in any sort of scientific inquiry along these lines, which is preclinical data on cancer cells. And again, preclinical data on cancer cells did find pretty much the same thing, that in the lab, metformin seemed to cause breast cancer cell types to shrink or not grow. Um, and so, of course, that was pretty exciting because if that were the case for clinical purposes, that's a cheap drug, well-tolerated, not a lot of side effects, you know, if it has some benefit, you know, that that obviously could be, no no pun intended, a game changer. So, uh, but but of course, as we all know, translating information from the preclinical setting to the clinical setting is always problematic. I think we've learned that the hard way in the last two and a half years with COVID, but even more so here because in the systems that they used for preclinical studies, the concentrations of glucose, insulin, and metformin that they were using in these systems varied tremendously and were probably not reflective of what happens in the human body. So, you know, then these other observational studies, you know, it kind of seemed to support this association and several smaller uh, randomized control trials had, had been published to date that were basically inconclusive because they were just too small to really show a difference one way or another, though intriguingly, it seemed that there may be a pharmacokinetic or a personalized medicine uh, angle to this in that uh, certain types of breast cancer cell types. Um, uh, and, and as we know now, you know, of course, you know, uh, there's a number of different uh, breast cancer cell types and finding out what cell type you have is crucial to treatment now because we have direct targeted treatments. Um, but that in certain types of breast cancer cell types, metformin may have more of a tumor suppressing effect than in others. And so that was kind of interesting as well. And a lot of that, of course, is, is, is genetically based. So again, there is some suggestion in, in, in some kind of preclinical data and observational data that uh, it may be a certain type of patient who would benefit. So in any event, there was enough, I think, information that several large organizations said, okay, it's time to do an RCT. And that's what MA32 is, which is a study we're going to talk about today. MA32 was a investigator-initiated phase three randomized trial conducted by all the big wigs. It was conducted by the Canadian Can Cancer Trials Group in concert with the National Cancer Institute in the United States, the National Clinical Trials Network in the United Kingdom, and the Swiss International Breast Cancer Study Group. So uh, again, probably four of the largest uh, scientific institutes for studying cancer in the world said it's time to do a good randomized control trial on this. And that's what they did. So they included people in the study who did not have diabetes. And I think that's a crucial point that remember that all the observational studies had, had by design, since we don't put metformin on people for no 
fundamental reason. Uh, we're primarily looking at people who had breast cancer and diabetes, and they did not do this in this study. They wanted to look at the potential anti-tumor effect of metformin independent of its effect on diabetes. So they included patients without diabetes over ages 18 to 74 who had uh, who had received standard therapy, and, and they didn't go into much detail about that, but basically standard therapy for a, a T1 to T3 node zero to node three M metastasis zero breast cancer diagnosed during the previous year and were enrolled between 2010 and 2013. So these were patients who had kind of fairly early stage breast cancer with a small nodal involvement, but no distant metastases who had breast cancer. And so, you know, basically uh, patients who, who had a pretty good shot if they were uh, appropriately treated and quickly treated, basically. So this, again, enrolled between 2010 and 2013. Uh, there's a number of different uh, subtypes and I fully admit I'm not an oncology specialist, but they did uh, allow certain types of breast cancers that didn't fall into this into this uh, system, as long as they had high histologic grade, that they had negative hormone receptors, so that both the estrogen receptor and, and progesterone receptors were negative, that they had different types of scores and, and different types of, of chemical staining that was high, uh, higher than a certain percentage. Basically, a very small uh, a number of these patients could be entered if, if they had prognostic signs that would advance with their cancers fairly, fairly rapidly. But bottom line was these were patients who had, you know, fairly early stage breast cancer with some nodal development, but no distant metastases. Uh, they, again, were required to not have a history of diabetes. They, in fact, had to have a fasting blood glucose of 126 or less. So not having the, the diagnosis of diabetes, they couldn't be on any other diabetes medication. This couldn't be a breast cancer recurrence. So this couldn't be the second type of time they've had or third time they've had breast cancer or had any other history of previous invasive cancer. They couldn't have a habitual intake of more than three alcoholic drinks a day or marked hepatic or kidney or cardiac dysfunctions. These people pretty much had to be com completely healthy. Um, obviously, metformin was going to be an adjuvant therapy. It was not going to be the primary therapy for the, these patients' breast cancer. And in fact, they were required to have undergone complete resection of the breast cancer. So they had to have surgical resection of the breast cancer and then to have completed neoadjuvant chemotherapy if given uh, but be, could be continued uh, having radiation. They could have be on adjunctive hormonal therapy, so like tamoxifen, stuff like that, or any other therapy if given after enrollment. So, so basically, these were patients who were treated pretty much by the standard of care in their country for their diagnosed uh, degree of breast cancer, including surgical resection, cancer, uh, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and then uh, adjunctive therapy. And this was just an additive adjunctive therapy to that. They did randomize patients one-to-one to, -one to metformin or placebo. They stratified them by their uh, estrogen and progesterone receptor positivity. And that stands to reason because we know that, that they have different prognoses and we have different treatments for them. They also stratified patients by body mass index. So uh, 30 uh, was the break point. So they were stratified patients to have BMIs of less than 30 versus BMIs and greater than 30. And then they balanced for center and any versus no chemotherapy because there are some patients who did not have chemotherapy offered to them. Um, after they did all the stratification, they then, uh, then randomized patients to receive, again, either placebo or 850 milligrams of metformin. It was an identical uh, appearing placebo daily for four weeks and then twice daily for the balance of five years. As I often say with, with metformin studies, one wonders if you can truly blind metformin because, of course, you know, 850 of metformin is going to cause some GI stuff in, in many patients, probably most patients, and I think they'll, you know, they'll probably only guess what they were on, but, but considering the outcomes we're looking at are, are pretty objective, you know, I, I'm not sure there's much you could do about that. And what were those objectives? Or 
what were those outcomes? The outcomes were uh, pretty good ones, I think. So the primary endpoint was invasive disease-free survival, which is defined as the time from randomization to the earliest occurrence of invasive local, regional, or distant recurrences, a new primary invasive cancer, whether it was breast cancer or non-breast cancer, or death from either breast cancer non-breast cancer or an unknown cause. So it was, it was a composite endpoint, but I think all the different composites were fairly of, of good importance, obviously death being the big one, but even just any sort of, of, of type of recurrence. They had numerous secondary uh, cancer endpoints, including overall survival, uh, relapse-free survival, uh, breast cancer-free interval, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as an internal medicine pharmacist looking kind of as on the outside looking in, I've always uh, struggled a bit when I've had to read uh, oncology studies and chemo because, you you know, you have all these endless, you know, outpoints, you know, progression-free survival and, and time to sort of, you know, time to progression and all this stuff. And it always seemed to me that overall survival was the, if, if you're a patient who has breast cancer, you're, that's the thing you actually really care about. And I always, I always kind of scratched my head, you know, as again, as a non-cancer expert is, is, you know, I get why they would do these other outcomes, but, you know, if you have cancer, isn't that the one thing you want to know is, are you going to live with this longer than, than, than not? And then what are the side effects, et cetera, et cetera. So, and any event, enough editorializing about that. Um, uh, the stats were, were pretty straightforward, actually. They had to develop a model to deal with all these different uh, stratifications so that didn't interfere with the power of the study. It was targeted to have a power, and it was an event-driven study, but they basically wanted to find about a 5% difference in five-year invasive disease-free survival of placebo versus metformin. So they wanted to basically hopefully show that metformin would have an additive 5% increase in survival. And I suppose if you want to talk about good news, you know, overall, they targeted that 90% of these patients would survive for five years, and I think that's that's uh, good news to hear if you're someone who is at risk for breast cancer that again uh, uh, speaks to you know again early detection it really makes all the difference in these patients looking at that though they figured they'd need about 3,500 patients that would deliver about 431 events of breast cancer like all cancer studies they did a, a Kaplan-Meier plot using Cox proportional hazards to, to, to look at the differences between things and again that's that's been done since time immemorial they did adjust for all the factors we've just talked about estrogen status progesterone status BMI whether they received any adjuvant chemotherapy uh, to see if, if there was any confounders going on there as well. So who did they get enrolled? They actually enrolled 3,649 patients. And remember that they stratify these patients by their receptor positivity. So about 2,500 patients had ER positive and PGR positive uh, patients. So had estrogen receptor positive patients in one part of the study. And then about 1,100 patients who had neither of those receptors were then randomized. And then they were then split down the middle between the two of them, half of those receiving placebo, half of those receiving metformin. The uh, baseline characteristics, I think, are pretty much what you would expect. Median age was, was around 52. Uh, as you might imagine, the vast, vast majority were women. Um, and, and unfortunately, in my opinion, the vast, vast majority were white, non-Hispanic patients. Um, so unfortunately, very low representation from other ethnic groups. Um, most of them had really good ECOC performance status. So, I mean, they didn't have a lot of other comorbidities. They were, they were living vibrant lives, basically, and, 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 and independently, et cetera, et cetera. The majority of these patients uh, had kind of limited nodal spread. So, you know, uh, as far as the, the node stage, the, the majority was, was uh, some, either P, PN0 or PN1. 
one. So again, most stations did not have a lot of nodal spread, stuff like that. And then histologic stage, a very sp- a small percentage were low. The vast majority was either medium or high. As far as uh, adjunctive therapy, um, somewhere around three quarters of all the groups received radiation, 85 to 95% of patients received chemotherapy. And then as you might imagine, in the uh, ER positive patients, they received adjunctive hormonal therapy and those who didn't have those receptors did not. So again, the, you know, the numbers were pretty much straight up and down similar between all the two. And these were, again, uh, you know, I think paints a picture of patients uh, who have breast cancer kind of in the early phases of, of, of it, basically. So what did they find? Well, unfortunately, they found nothing. <laughs> they found that unfortunately metformin did not have any effect whatsoever on any of the outcomes um, that uh, patients with invasive d- disease-free survival at five years who had an event was 18.5% in the metformin group and 18.3% in the placebo group. And that was in the, in the hormone receptor positive group. And in the hormone receptor negative group, it was 21.9% of patients in the metformin group had invasive degree event versus 22%. So basically about 20% of patients in both arms had a recurrent event of breast cancer within that five years. And obviously not statistically significant when they broke that down. Again, the numbers were virtually identical in all of them. Um, and, and that includes, you know, distant recurrence, local recurrence, another type of cancer, again, very, very similar to the two. When they looked at death from breast cancer, again, the good news was that uh, uh, after five years, only one patient in this entire uh, study died. So, and then I was in the placebo arm of the ER and PGR negative, but there was no deaths across the board. There was uh, no differences in, in, in death at all, basically, between the two. And uh, when they took a look at patients with a death at any time, the cause of death was breast cancer, again, or that was very similar between the two numbers. And there were other conditions were pretty much everything else. So there was really basically no difference in the primary outcome or no difference in the exploratory outcome. So kind of disappointing, I think, uh, for, for those who thought that metformin might, might, might play a role in healthy patients who, as an adjunct of therapy. You know, again, the, the, the professor in me always wants to point out the fact that, you know, yet again, we have another in, in uh, a litany of studies that have, have peppered the history of medicine that uh, when we actually get around to do a randomized control trial on something that uh, something we thought was, we, we knew just ain't so, something you thought, you know, just wasn't so. And, and I think this is one of those cases. And as we know, you know, the history of medicine, especially in, in the evidence-based medicine era is, is really littered with that, is that you know, observational studies have an important role that, that they're hypothesis generating. And in some cases, you know, due to, you know, logistics or cost or some other problem, they may be the best data that we get. But especially when we're talking about proactive drug studies, you really have to have the RCT to, to, to really know what's going on. Because again, many, you know, so many times, I think we've, we've thought for sure that this therapy is going to work. And then when we actually get around to doing a randomized control trial, it, it actually does not. So unfortunately, no difference between them. Now, the authors point out that, yes, that this study basically did not show an improvement in invasive degree disease-free survival or other breast cancer outcomes, that the findings do not support adding metformin to standard injective therapy in patients without diabetes. And I think that's one of the key pieces. If you read the editorial with this paper that accompanies the paper in JAMA, that's something that they point out too, that is it possible, and again, this will probably have to be studied in, in, in a separate study, but is it possible that 
because they pick patients without diabetes that they were not likely to benefit from the drug at all. That patients who have the metabolic syndrome, women and women in particular have the metabolic syndrome, when they develop breast cancer, do worse than women who don't have the metabolic syndrome when they're diagnosed with breast cancer. And as we said before, the mechanism of action that we should have that works with metformin in breast cancer has to do with insulin signaling. And it is possible that women with breast cancer who also have diabetes, there's something you know altered in the insulin signaling that increases tumor cell growth or, or invasion or something along those lines. So it is possible that women who have diabetes who are on metformin and that helps you know prevent that that missignaling from happening that they still may see a benefit from metformin in, in breast cancer whereas healthy women don't and so the, the editorialist basically said you know yes this is a really good study and i agree that, that with them that it was but they also did a hey not so fast this basically says that yes in healthy women women who don't have diabetes uh, adding metformin to them doesn't seem to do anything when they have breast cancer but that's not who the observational studies really looked at because by almost definition the observational studies, you know, the women who are on metformin, big surprise, almost all of them were on metformin because they had they had diabetes. So that is an important piece to, to note. So, you know, like these authors just point out that the metabolic changing, uh, changes in the study did not seem to benefit uh, the outcomes in patients with breast cancer. They underscored the need for well-conducted randomized trials prior to the clinical adoption of interventions that appear to benefit cancer when investigated in observational studies. So as I said, you know, you, know, you really need the RCTs to do this. They also cautioned that extrapolation of the findings of this trial to patients with diabetes because it requires caution because, again, of these differing de- uh, metabolic statuses that, that may actually have a, have a difference in outcomes. So the question is, you know, will someone take up the mantle? Will this very group take up the mantle and decide to do a study in women with diabetes and breast cancer with similar characteristics and look at endoformin in them? Now, as I'm, as you might imagine, that's going to be challenging to do. You know, um, metformin is still considered the drug of choice for most type two diabetic patients, and it's going to be very, very challenging, I think, to find patients who happen to have type two diabetes who then unfortunately get diagnosed with with breast cancer who aren't already on metformin. And 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 so and you know, if they, I think I think that may be the Achilles heel of trying to pull off a randomized control trial in women with with diabetes who have breast cancer who are taking metformin because uh, the design of the study would be very challenging and I think I think would take years and years and years to try and do so it may never actually get done so but the bottom line is that you know sometimes negative studies are game changers too especially when they go kind of in the face of what a lot of observational data has shown and this is I think a good example of that so we don't always talk about game changers that are positive in this in, in this podcast we do talk about game changers that sometimes you know that were that were the null hypothesis rules the day and, and that's what, what happened in this case I think is that is something that, again, that we thought we knew just isn't so. And at least in healthy uh, patients, there doesn't seem to be a benefit to, to, to metformin uh, in, in patients with breast cancer. So we'll see if, if a study is done down the road just in women with, with breast cancer and diabetes, but, but we'll have to see if that actually happens. So that's it for this week of, of Game Changers. Again, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. But until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Take care. Thanks for listening in. Claim your CE credit by clicking on the link in the show notes. And check out CE Impact's other education at ceimpact.com, where we curate the most important information in pharmacy and medicine to deliver straight to you. Join today to connect your learning to practice.